Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. services or connect with us on Facebook. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. It'll be on the screen as well, but I want to just take a quick moment to remind us why we do what we do, what this is about. These are Jesus' words speaking to, uh, uh, in uh, Jerusalem here as he's speaking to someone who comes to uh, meet with him. And it says this in Luke chapter 10, verse 25, One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, What does the law of Moses say? How do you, how do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by him. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed on the other side of the road. Then a despised Samaritan. You remember despised Samaritan. The reason they're despised is because we talked about last week that the Samaritans didn't like the Jews. The Jews didn't like the Samaritans. And Jesus is telling a story here, and he's telling the story of this despised Samaritan. Then there was a despised Samaritan who came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, and he followed behind, leading the donkey. He's now walking in front and leading while this man is riding, and he took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? The expert in the law replied, the one who showed him mercy. Notice this, he didn't even say the Samaritan. He had to just acknowledge the one who showed him mercy. Because he's still fighting this issue that he has. And he says, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus replied and said, yes, now go and do the same. Somebody tell your neighbor, say, do the same. Father, I pray that you would help us to capture this in our heart, why it is we do what we do. Let the heart of God be our heartbeat today. In your name we pray. If you agree with that, would you say amen? Amen. And you may be seated. I want to talk fast, so uh, hopefully you can listen fast and maybe even take notes if you would, uh, if you can. We're uh, in this series called Here and Now. And I want to take a moment just as we're moving towards Sunday. Next Sunday is our Activate Commitment Sunday. And that is the day that will launch us in a two-year campaign, a two-year initiative that we are looking to raise uh, raise resources 
for moving into what God would have next. We believe that God's not finished working here at Faith Assembly, that we're activating our faith to make room for more. That's outlined online. You can find that on our website. You can also find it on a booklet or in a booklet that's been produced in the Information Center. And uh, this idea next week is that we're launching this for two years uh, with the goal of giving our best, raising resources to, to move in and prepare for what God would have for us. Uh, yesterday we gathered with uh, some 70 people that were, that were uh, either uh, leaders and some that, that uh, were able to make it. We invited and uh, just had the opportunity to share that together. And in, in that moment, uh, 40 commitments being made. And uh, in that night, we saw, uh, which is now $215,000 committed over the next two years. And so we bless God for that. Come on, would you just acknowledge the, the Lord for the faithfulness of just the favor of God. Next week, what we're going to do is cast that to the entire church as we have the opportunity to not only receive commitment uh, in a card that will we'll be prepared, but also to bring a first offering, to bring a first offering that would help catapult this and make us prepared and ready. We've been saying this, that the kingdom of God, the harvest within the kingdom does not depend on time because God is able to do things suddenly. How many know he's a God of his own timing? But he does still use the process. We're not here to determine how long it's going to take. We're here to determine that we want to be willing to plant and to water and give God something to work with. It still requires the process that he works through us. And so uh, next week, I hope that you'll pray with us. Uh, Next week will be a a sacred time as it is every time that we gather. But just a time as we'll be receiving communion. We'll be in a place of just preparing our hearts and asking ourselves to say, God, whatever it is that you want, that we want to see, done in our lives. This room right now, there are some seats. There's still some seats available, but we are at at least an 80 80% plus capacity, which means in order for us to continue growing in an effective way, it's going to require us to have room. And our wisdom in that is to seek God, to ask God, what is next? What would he have us prepare for? To make room for what it is that God is wanting to continue to do in our lives. Why do we want to expand? Why do we want to move more? Why do we want to make more room? We believe this because it's always about reaching lost people with the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. That as we increase, not just the number of people coming, but we increase the number of people going. That's where the impact of changing Fayette County happens. We're in the people business. It's reaching people. Everything that we do. And so I want to share a reminder of this, of why we do what we do. And and so the title of this sermon this morning is simply this. Won't you be my neighbor? You can't help but sing it. You can't help but hum that out and we're Pittsburghers. It's in, our, it's in our, our backyard. Well, it's actually our front yard, but you know all of us, we're going down to Pittsburgh, even though it's up that way. And, uh, uh, it's uh, it's what we, who we are, part of who we are, that Pittsburgh, and we're removed from that, but made up of neighborhoods. What is a neighbor? I want to look at the heart of why we do what we do, because it's all about people. Everybody wants to have a neighbor, but not a certain kind of neighbor. They want a good kind of neighbor. And that neighbor is every one of us want to be seen, we want to be known, and we want to be, be, be shown favor and giving opportunity to be recognized. Every single one of us want people to know our names, know who we are, know our world. You say, well, how does that happen if we make more room? Well, easy in that when we become more people who are intentional, it happens more naturally. 
Because the more people who become more intentional, we connect with people. We see our purpose. You realize your purpose here today is not to take up a seat. The purpose here today is to allow the Spirit of God to speak to us corporately that we might carry the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world that's around us. The question I want to ask us today is how neighborly are you? What kind of neighbor are you? What kind of neighbor are you recognized for? I, when I think of neighbors, I got two that come to mind, and, and they come from my early years growing up in New Oxford, Pennsylvania, right outside of Gettysburg along Route 30. And uh, as we were living there, we lived right along the busy road that we had neighbors, that we shared backyards because everybody's house was fairly close to one another. And so if you wanted to play baseball, you had to bleed into someone's yard, and there were some neighbors that were fine to let you bleed into their yard. And then there are other neighbors, don't let your ball even touch my yard. I had two neighbors that come to mind. One is Mr. Dell, and the other is Mr. Horseman. I don't know his real name, I just called him Horseman. Because all I know is one day my dog got out, and when the dog got out, I went chasing the dog, and the dog was chasing his horse that was in our backyard that had a small track that he would run. And so while I'm chasing the dog, the dog is chasing the horse, and the neighbor, Mr. Horseman, said, you better get your dog, boy. Use some other words. I grew up in church. I didn't know you were allowed to say that to kids. I didn't know that was illegal. I didn't know you could do that. But then he said to me, he said, get control of your dog, boy, before I shoot you and him. <laughs> It's Mr. Horseman. He's a, he's a nice. I mean, that was one encounter that after that moment, he didn't live there. He just would had a small track that he would bring his horses and ride them on because he did this racing thing, all this stuff, whatever. All I knew was if Mr. Horseman was out in his place, I'm like, lock the doors, shut the turn out the lights, everything, whatever. I mean, all of it, make it all happen because we don't want Mr. Horseman to see us. But then I had another neighbor. His name was Mr. Dell. Mr. Dell would sit on the front porch during the summer. And he would, if he was done working in the yard, whatever it be, he would sit on the front porch and he would watch us play baseball. And then when the ball would go into his yard, he'd slowly get up, walk over, pick up that ball, throw it back to us, and then go back to his grandstand to watch the game unfold and watch what was happening. Mr. Dell participated. He created a place. How many know two neighbors altogether different, but asking the question, what kind of neighbor are we? You see, the heart of a neighbor, the one is, who is making room for other people, that it's, it's more than just sharing, more than just being kind. It's having the purpose and the heartbeat of want, wanting to see what we have, what they, that they would have the hope that we have. You see, we, when we recognize that kindness is not just when we want things to go good for people, but what, when we want people to have the things that we have. When we want for others the things that we have. When we begin to share our resources because we have and there are others who have not. And when we have, it is valuable to be those who want them to have what we have. If there's anything we want people to have, I know at Christmas time, I want people to have a nice Christmas. We'll do our best and do what we can. At different times, going back to school, we'll take up opportunities. We sent book bags to the Laurel Highlands Middle School. We gave resources. We partner. We do all those things. If we have and we have the ability, we want to share what we have. But how many know if there's anything we ought to want to share more than anything is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We want to share and to give that opportunity that others might hear the good news, the salvation of Jesus Christ. We must recognize this, that Jesus is in the people business. It's not about buildings. It's not about programs. 
It's not about even leaving a legacy. I don't know how long God will give me on this earth, and I don't know how long God will call me to be the pastor of this church. But what matters here is not that when I'm gone, people remember me. What matters is that when I'm gone, there's now another generation to carry forth even further and stronger the gospel and the calling of Jesus Christ that all the world would know the hope of Jesus. What matters is not our legacy. It's not about us. I mean, as much as legacy matters, you try and name your great, 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 great grandfather. I mean, no disrespect, but it mattered in the time, but that, we don't know that. What matters is the hope that people find in Jesus Christ. You see, Fayette County becomes changed when there are people who carry the heart of neighbors to love other neighbors and to share the hope. And when we do that, it catches people's hearts and moves. God is about people. He so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish. What did he love so much? He loved the world. He created the world. But what he loved the most was you and I because even when he created the world, he created the, the, the light, the vegetation, all the trees, all the stuff that the animals and everything he did. Do you realize those five days of his creation was just to make things ready for the six-day creation when he planted and made you and I, made man on this earth? Everything that he did, he created the trees, he created all the things. He said that was good. But then on the sixth day, he created man. He said that's very good. You know why? Because his delight is you and I. He, we, he loves and desires us to have relationship with him. God is a God of people. He's not moved by buildings or programs. He's moved by people. And the heart that needs to draw us is that it is the heartbeat of what we do is that we might share the hope and the love of Jesus Christ with people. We want to build buildings, make room. We want to have places. We want to do it with excellence, make it all good. All of that's fine. All of that's decent. That's okay. But the heart of everything is so that we might share the hope of Jesus Christ, that we might see hurting people come and find hope in Jesus and in turn go back into the world and share the hope of Jesus Christ in the world that they live in. That's the desire and the heartbeat. He loves people. He loves Uniontown. Jesus loves Fayette County. He loves your family. It's the heartbeat of why we do what we do. It's all about reaching people. Why do missionaries leave the places where they are? Because God has put a love in their heart for people. Why do people give up resources and spend their time to sacrifice that in some regard really isn't sacrifice because the love that they have is so much that it didn't even feel like a sacrifice? How many know you love to a level whenever you know it's sacrifice but it doesn't it's not so much a sacrifice because the love that is in us compels and draws us. Here's the expert of the law, and, and he comes to Jesus, and he has this question. The Bible says he comes to trap Jesus. And even here, Jesus is, is pointing out what the greatest commandment is, and he asked them, the man asked Jesus, what do I do to have eternal life? And Jesus says, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? What's your interpretation of it? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Because realizing this, even the law and what God gave us doesn't even fully work if it's not lived out and loved and carried in other people's lives. Meaning, you can follow the law, but if you don't love people, how many know there's something missing? You can, you can and none of us can follow the law because we're, none of us are good enough to have it that, that perfect. But we can do our best, but if the heart is not there, and even in this matter, we know the same, that you can speak with tongues of angels, but if you don't have love, we're just making a lot of noise. How many know that we want to be a church that doesn't just make a lot of noise? We want to be a church that goes and shows love like no one's ever felt before. 
to give hope like no one's ever seen before. And what is that? It's the love of Christ to represent being that neighbors, being the, carrying the heartbeat of God. The, the, the gentleman asked him, what is it that makes, who is my neighbor? And I want to give you a couple things real quick this morning. Just if we're going to be neighbors in this world, in this place that we are, that we go to our, our workplaces, that we carry the heart and concern for people. Do we know the condition, the spiritual condition of the people closest in our life? If there are people that we talk to on a regular basis and we've not been concerned with their spiritual welfare, it might be that we've not invested or given too much concern about our own. Because when we know that a relationship with Christ matters that much, how many know when you know something good that you've received, you want other people to have? Unless you're stingy. And like, I don't want anybody getting a hold of this. But that's not how the gospel works. That it's transforming, it changes. Let me give you just a couple things here this morning real quick. Just according to this text that we read, that if we're going to be even those who are more neighborly, who have the heart of neighbors reaching out to people, that in in the place of being good neighbors, it comes a place where we're going to have to eliminate contradictions. We're going to have to eliminate contradictions. Here's the expert of the law. He asked Jesus, and notice how he comes to Jesus. He came to test Jesus. And he knew the answer, and the answer was to to eternal life is to keep the commandment or to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. But how many know that to love your neighbor as yourself, he already contradicted himself because the attitude that he came with was to test Jesus, was to trap him, was to get him in a I'll show him. How many know that if we carry an I'll show you attitude, we're probably not acting like neighbors, and somewhere along the line, there's a contradiction to how we're called to be and how we're really acting. I wonder if there's anyone willing to admit that in your walk with Jesus, you've recognized there's some contradictions in your life, and you had to adjust the way you were acting to the way God called you to be, and you had to make some shift. Is anybody who had to shift in their walk with Jesus and make some adjustments? There's a couple hands that are being honest. Or maybe there's other experts in here, like experts of the law that have this all figured out. Probably not. That every single one of us, there becomes that adjustment. And as we do, we, we have to eliminate the contradictions. Why is that important? Because if the world's going to know we love Jesus, we've got to be people who are willing to address the contradictions and not say something that we're so much about this that we say one thing. Can I tell you one of the contradictions that struggle that I think we've got to be, not, a, not just a direct contradiction, but I love and I celebrate. I celebrate with families that go through adoption. You know why? Because if we're really going to see the epidemic of abortion affect then the church and people of God need to rise up in adoption and taking care of children that need a place because that's a heart. I thank God for families that are here who are adopting, who are making room, who are bringing in the broken. Why? Because it's not enough to be a church that says we don't like that, but all the while not do anything to elevate what the answer is to address that. That's sometimes a contradiction of how we can, how we can carry that it's not just letting the world know what we're against, but we let the world know who we are, that we address sometimes the contradictions, sometimes the way we become so, can be so hateful and spiteful, and especially at different times of elections. God, help us. One's going to be coming up soon. Lord, help us. God, keep us in a place of honor. Keep us in a place that would recognize truth. We've got to eliminate the, the, the contradictions. That's what the world needs to see us addressing those things. And, and when we, those things come to light, addressing the things that are contradictions. Here's how this man tried to address his contradiction. Notice the Bible says that the man justified himself, or he went and and was about to justify himself. 
This was his way of addressing the contradiction. And here's what justification is. Justification is, well, I'm going to now give you a reason why it's okay for me to act in this contradicting measure. I'm going to give you the excuse as to why it's okay for me to feel this way, act this way, treat people this way, and do these things. I'm going to give a justification. And if we're going to become even more neighborly, we've got to examine the justifications that we allow in our lives. It's sometimes the excuses that we can set in. Have you ever found a place sometimes that when we can justify, well, I know I feel that way and I know I act that way. Well, you know what? That neighbor, the way he treated, the way he acts, the way they are, the way things, that when we justify, really what we're saying is I don't want to grow because faith is the language of growth, but justification is the language of everything's fine the way it is. Justification is everything's fine just the way it is. It's fine just the way it is, but when we acknowledge that there's some things that we, we, we've got to be careful not to justify. Let me give you number three. We've got to evaluate the intentions of our heart. What is the intention of our heart that we need to address? Notice this, that Jesus is telling the story about the, uh, about the priest who is coming, and he says that the priest came by chance. Did you catch that? It was by chance. By chance, there was a priest coming. Do you know the only reason it's by chance is if you're not living on purpose and intention. When you live with purpose, how many know you walk places and you're able to see, man, God was ordering my steps and put me in this place and now gave me a resource for the right place and the right time. How many know that the the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord? But when you live and not examining your intentions, so the intentions are, well, it's just another day. How many know there's a lot of chances that by chance, how we respond to that, But when we live on purpose and intention, you know the purpose that we have here is to see lost people come to know Jesus Christ. To make room for hurting people to come. To create a place where lost people can hear the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ. We ought to be benevolent people. I've said this before. The danger of the church in this century and in this day The danger will be our willingness to become so benevolent, but to lose the willingness to be obedient. That a benevolent church can never be traded, or an obedient church can never be traded for a benevolent church. We must always give a cup of cold water. But if we don't do it in Jesus' name, then the cup of cold water will only last for a little while. But when we give a cup of cold water in Jesus' name, How many know it's the name that changes everything? It's where living water flows. Do the people in your world know the name of Jesus? Or is it just a byproduct of a good idea? Good social thing? Or has the love of Jesus, when we sing the love of Jesus, has it captured your heart? Because when the love of Jesus gets a hold of you, how many know it can't help but pour out of you? Here's the last thing I want to say to us is that when we come to a place and we experience the transformation. Have you experienced the transformation? I love, realize Jesus had been rejected by the Samaritans. And now he's telling a story. Do you know as he's telling a story, he could have picked anybody to be the hero. And who does he pick to be the hero? The very people who represent the ones who rejected him. You know why? Because Jesus looked and did not see the Samaritans for who they were, but saw them for who they could become 
and what was inside of him. You know what a neighbor does? A neighbor looks and doesn't just see things on the surface, but sees things in the spirit and sees greater things on the inside of people. That Jesus, of course, representing this, and here you cannot give what you've not experienced. Here's the end of the story is we all, we all ought to be people who become good neighbors. But we can't leave it there. Because the hero in the story is not you and it's not me and it's not the good Samaritan. The hero in the story is not you. It's not this, well, let's just leave here and do good things and be kind to people. That's all good. But that's not where it leaves. Where we, where we have to come to is not let's be good neighbors, but let's receive the love of the greatest neighbor. You know why? Because if you've not received the love, you can't fully give the love. This story of the Good Samaritan going between Jericho and Jerusalem, the first battle they had to fight Israel back in the Old Testament when they came into the Promised Land and Jerusalem, the place of God's fulfillment and His presence, that's somewhere along the journey. How many know every single one of us are journeying from Jericho to Jerusalem? And guess what? Along the way, there's some robbers that come and attack us. There's some things that take life from us. And it leaves us on the side of the road, beaten and sometimes left for dead. Has there ever been anybody beaten on the side of the road and feel like you've been abandoned, forsaken, and left for dead? And guess what? The law comes along. The law comes along, but the law is not enough to heal you. The law is not enough to rescue you. The law looks at you, and when you look back at the law, you just see yourself as even worse because not good enough. You can't measure up. The law will look back at you, but then there's one who gets off of his donkey, and he comes to where you are. He kneels in your brokenness. He wraps your wounds. He meets you where you are. He picks you up, puts you on his place of prestige, and walks you into his place that he now pays for you and gives you what you need. I wonder if there's anyone who has received the love of the good Samaritan, of the one who gave us all that he had. And when you receive this love, it changes how you treat people. If you've not received this love, it won't have any effect on people. My prayer is that you, and here's the question I'm going to ask you, not won't you be my neighbor? But God is asking you, Jesus is asking you, would you let me be your neighbor? Would you let me show up? And what do you do when you know the good Samaritan came to your rescue, put you in his place when he paid for you? How many know you cannot help but reflect that love? That's what this world needs. And that world will only find it when we are people who don't just say, let's do good deeds. But when we become people who say, I have been so, now I see. I once was broken and left on the side of the road, but he made a place for me. He brought me in to his own. He prepared a place for me. So guess what we're doing? We're making a place for people who need to know the love of Jesus Christ. Because the one made a place for us. This heartbeat, I want to read this and we're going to close. Would you stand with me all across this room? I want you to hear this scripture in 1 John chapter 4. And the question I have for you is, have you received the love of God? Let me read this this morning. God is love. Listen to this today. God is love. And all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. Do you hear this this morning? And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Come on, somebody make that your prayer. God, I want, I want that love of God to grow in me. 
So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face God with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love casts out fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully received the perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. You cannot be a good neighbor until you've accepted the invitation of the good neighbor. And this morning, my question to you is not, will you give money? My question is, will we allow the one who is the neighbor to influence us that we can't help but become the neighbor because we live like Jesus on this earth? Every head bowed and every eye closed. My question to you this morning is, have you fully accepted or experienced the love that comes from God? Perfect love casts out fear. What's your fear today? It only shows, Scripture says, that you've not received the full love that comes from God or fully received the love from God. You're here today. You say, Jason, in this closing prayer, I'm acknowledging receiving the love of God in my life. If that's you today, just lift your hand right where you are. You say today, the love of God. Yeah, I'm receiving the love of God. Yeah, is there anyone else this morning? You raise your hand. Man, this is my prayer. Maybe this is your first time, but I pray whatever it might be today that we would receive the love of God you know what the love of God does? Peace, hope, joy, contentment. We become neighbors when we experience the love of the greatest neighbor.